Airbnb is WeWork, published on December 5, 2022. You can change a giant market, even if you don't control it. Tomorrow, on Tuesday, the 6th of December, I'm speaking at a free webinar about the future of housing. I'll share some key trends and analysis and answer any questions you may have. I'll add a link to the show notes for you to register. It's free. Last week, I wrote about Airbnb's growing appetite for the long-term rental market. Quote, in the middle of 2021, CEO Brian Chesky reported that 24% of Airbnb's revenue came from bookings of 28 days or longer. In January 2022, Chesky reported that over the previous year, 100,000 Airbnb guests booked stays for three months or longer. Airbnb developed an appetite for more extended stays in the overall housing market, but it was unclear whether the company was genuinely focused on the vision I outlined. This morning, it became clear. End of quote. It did become clear last week when Airbnb announced a new rental listings platform, not for short stays, but for regular apartments with standard leases. I used Airbnb's story to illustrate how disruption in one market, hospitality in this case, ultimately affects other markets, housing. So in this case, Airbnb's initial foray into hotels or hospitality ends up impacting the housing market. The article and related posts drew a lot of interesting comments on LinkedIn. It also attracted some pushback and incredulity. The three main points of contention were, one, Airbnb will never be big enough to make a real impact on the overall rental market. Two, Airbnb is actually disrupting the smaller and less important medium stay or so-called service apartment market rather than the residential market. And three, no one will ever be willing to pay a premium in order to book a longer stay via Airbnb instead of a traditional leasing or sublet process. Let's address all three of these points. We'll start with the third one. Tens of thousands of people are already using Airbnb to book apartments for three or more months. For whatever reason, they are willing to pay a premium to book these apartments through Airbnb. What is the reason? That's a topic for a whole article. Still, the short answer is that Airbnb is simply more convenient. It has a friendly user experience. It's a familiar brand. It allows you to pay with a credit card. It provides some guarantees that mitigate whatever concerns you may have. As tech analyst Ben Thompson once told Tyler Cohen, and I quote, the reality is, particularly when it comes to consumer products, is that in the long run, convenience always wins. End of quote. The housing market has other examples of customers paying a premium for something they can easily do on their own or find elsewhere. Consider the co-living market. Companies like Common, Common Living, charge a premium for letting you share an apartment with strangers. Can't people find a roommate on their own? Can't they coordinate and sign a lease together? Can't they figure it out who should, you know, buy the dish soap or split the cost of toilet paper with their roommates on their own? Yes, they can, but it's more convenient to pay Common to do it for them. Common is also offering specific services that make the process less daunting. So if a customer or so-called tenant is unhappy, Common allows them to switch to any other apartment within its portfolio without having to break the lease. This makes it much easier to commit to an apartment full of people you don't know. Worst case, you can easily move into another furnished room elsewhere. Convenience. And the best part is that customers are willing to pay a premium even though they hardly ever exercise the option to move. As Common's founder, Brad Hargraves, pointed out in an earlier talk, the ability to switch apartments is one of Common's most beloved features and a key driver of user decisions. At the same time, people really rarely switch. But the fact that the option is there makes it easier for them to lease an apartment online, sight unseen, with people they've never met. Convenience. Also, Brad has an excellent new newsletter, which I link to 
in the article, focuses on emerging housing business models. Now, beyond the premium, Common is also a great example of how customers are willing to commit to a long-term stay in the same way they book an Airbnb. So a large percentage of Common customers sign leases online, sometimes before they even visit the city, let alone the apartment itself. Now let's address the second pushback. The one where, that says that Airbnb is only disrupting the smaller and less important medium stay or so-called service apartment market, rather than the much larger residential market. Now this is true, but it misses a huge point. Yes, the main people who use Airbnb to book an apartment are likely to stay only for several months rather than several years. But at the same time, the market for monthly and flexible stays is becoming a much bigger market and a much bigger part of the overall housing market. We've seen the same thing happen with offices. So we were started by targeting the so-called service office market, which was a tiny and uninteresting niche. But over time, furnished offices on flexible leases grew in popularity and now consist of something between 10 to 30% of the supply in key office markets across the world. It turns out that customers are willing to pay a premium for flexibility and convenience. Now, WeWork didn't take over the service office market. It helped make that market much bigger than it has ever been. The same thing is now happening in the housing market. Airbnb is seeing massive growth in multi-month bookings because there is a growing demand for such bookings. Airbnb is not driving traditional service apartments out of business. It is growing the market for so-called service apartments. And because the rental market is so large, you can build a giant business by dominating a sizable niche. For reference, there are about 50 million residential units in the US, sorry, 50 million rental units in the US. So if we assume the average rent is around 1,500 a month, this means Americans spend 75 billion on rent each month or nearly $1 trillion every year. For comparison, the US hotel market generates about 250 billion in revenue annually or about a quarter of the housing rental market. And that figure includes hotel-based restaurants, conference centers, and other services. So Airbnb can build a giant business even if it doesn't control or dominate the housing market. This brings me to the third pushback the one that says that Airbnb will never be big enough to impact the overall rental market. WeWork, again, offers a great example of why that's not true. When WeWork emerged, most landlords thought it was an irrelevant joke. Then they thought it was only relevant for freelancers and small companies. When they saw that WeWork also attracts some large corporate clients, they assumed that those customers would only go to WeWork for short-term leases and temporary solutions. Even when corporate tenants started paying WeWork a premium for multi-year leases and large spaces, landlords still didn't think this had anything to do with the real or so-called real office market. Yes, landlords sold themselves. Some tenants want flexibility and furniture and apps and community and all that stuff. But most tenants will never opt for the empty boxes. Will always opt, sorry, for the empty boxes that we offer. Now, we were indeed, we work indeed, never took over the office market. Even at its peak, it was a tiny drop in a very big ocean, but it did have an oversized share of the market and tenants that matters. More importantly, the processes and services that we were introduced gradually became standard. So today, office tenants don't pay a premium for some flexibility, a good app, on-demand meeting rooms, community management, and access to furnished swing spaces or other services. These things are now table stakes in many markets. No longer about paying a premium, many large tenants won't even consider listing a space in a building that doesn't offer WeWork-like technology, flexibility, build-outs, community, and amenities. The office and housing markets have more in common than people realize. They are both reshuffled by remote work and economic uncertainty. 
the housing leasing process and the housing leasing market is due for a revolution. Not because everyone is about to become a digital nomad, but because everyone has a life and current apartments and leases are often at odds with how people live. Consider my own life. Over the past seven years, I went from living alone in Beijing to living alone in New York. In between, I spent several months in Tokyo, Phnom Penh, and Tel Aviv. A year after renting an apartment in New York, I moved in with my fiancé in Brooklyn. Then we had a kid and needed more space. Then we wanted to spend more time with my recently widowed mother-in-law during an isolating pandemic. Then we had another kid. Then, etc., etc. You get the idea. Even for a boring middle-class dad like me, circumstances change in ways that a fixed lease cannot accommodate. And each set of circumstances is a relatively large market that a new housing brand can target in the same way that common caters to people looking to share a place in the city. Combined, these multiple sets of circumstances are a massive market that Airbnb is now targeting, the market for flexible housing. Even if it never takes over the housing market, Airbnb will change it forever. Its booking workflows, reviews, profiles, various services, and customer guarantees will gradually become standard, even for traditional long-term leases. I'll talk more about this tomorrow in the free webinar. I'll add a link to the show notes if you would like to register. If you enjoyed this article, please share it with your friends, rank my podcast on your favorite podcasting app, and subscribe to my newsletter on drawerpoleg.com. Thank you for listening.